Back to the Roots, episode 12, I think. Uh, who's on mic two? I think. Uh, Dabu, go ahead and just talk real quick. Real quick. All right. Welcome back to Back to the Roots. I'm here with Taylor Reynolds. What's up? What's up? What's up? Our mutual sensei. The all-father. <laughs> I am not Odin. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie Paper Tigers? Uh, I, I saw the movie Paper Towns. Paper Tigers was that the dudes? That's the dudes. The Oriental dudes that were like young and were like fighting on the circuit, and then grew old, and then they go back and yeah. yeah I saw that. Right? What did what did they call their their master? Oh, was that Sifu? Sifu, he, he was yeah. a Sifu. That's like you Sinar know Sifu. Kung Fu Panda. He had Sifu played by Dustin. Oh yeah, Hoffman. you're right. Shout yeah. out, to, shout out to Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. All the way from Tootsie to Sifu on Kung Fu Panda. Do you know Tootsie? I don't know Tootsie. So no. Tootsie back in the eighties, uh, Dustin Hoffman played a guy who was an actor, couldn't get a job, disguised himself as a woman and got hired, I think, onto a soap opera. That's commitment to his craft. Bro in drag back in the day. Trend setter. Trail <laughs> blazer. So brave. <clears throat> he only identified as a woman though when it came to his paycheck. There you go. Wait a second. That's how you do it. <laughs> get your money for nothing. Never mind. <laughs> Okay, today, today we're drinking Dad's root beer <laughs> and making '80s references. We're gonna dink it. Wait, wait! All three of us need to dink. Oh, wait! Microphone. Here we go. Three, two, oh. <laughs> on two, on two. We, we do everything on two here. This is my first time having Dad's root beer, and on the first sip, definitely one of the top ones I've had. Really? Wow. I think so. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Taylor, point your mic up at your face a little bit. There you go. Boom. Boom. So, shaka. Shum uh, shakalaka. Shum 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 shum. Boom shakalaka. So we just went and watched. The The joy of Back to the Roots is we're just talking about whatever we want with no format, really. So I'm just going to start us talking on something, and then we'll see where it all goes. All right. I'll hold on a second, though, because, you know. We're, Are you still on Dustin Hoffman? No, I'm not on Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Get off it. But this is Back to the Roots. We're doing root beer. It, we're drinking dad's root beer. We are drinking dad's I am root a longtime dad. Taylor is a new dad. Um, so just as a little history here, Americans, America's premium root beer since 1937. 1937. Wow. Th that's a lot of, a lot of years. You know, when I started this podcast, I really was hoping to, like, order some some new root beers from exotic places. But upon research, I've kind of figured out that root beer is a pretty American thing. There's just, you know, I was... I, I have no idea. No, it is. I, I get it, but I'm not, I'm like, I can't go, oh yeah, I knew that. No, I don't have a clue. Maybe it's because, is, is all root beer from Sassafras? Sassafrilla. Sassafrilla. right? Is it Sassafrilla? Sarsaparilla. I like that sounds like a southern thing. Barkeep, I'd like a sarsaparilla, please. What was sarsaparilla? I don't know. You can buy it um, <laughs> at... It grows here. Like, I had some um, in my yard when I was younger. What is sarsaparilla? Jaworski's. Jaworski's on Crumbstown. It, it, on Crumbstown. It's a... Uh, I just heard gibberish come out of your mouth. I have no idea. Any Jaworski's? Jaworski's? I know the, It's like a, they, they do, like, deli, and they do, like, Polish-style dinners and stuff you can buy out of the, out okay. of the, the counter or whatever. It's really good. Um, but they have like your eclectic cooler with 
you'd find dad's root beer in there. You'd find, you know, some other stuff that my dad was drinking back in the 50s mm. in there. And I believe that they have bottles of sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla is a soft drink originally made from the vine smilax. Smilax ornata or other species of Smilax such as Smilax. That sounds like a Pokemon. Smilax. There you go. It does. Smilax. I choose you. What's its attack? Uh, it smells like Axe body gray. That's, spray that's, and that, that's an that is an attack. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's a, that's it's a, an attack on your senses. Shout out, shout out to everybody who goes to Kempo and just body sprays up. <laughs> shout out to our uh, now and, and probably former after this uh, sponsor, Axe body spray. <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored. Hashtag. As soon as Axe quits sponsoring this podcast, then I'll just move right on over to Old Spice. There. Old Spice is just like the slightly... It's it, it it's Axe. It's like the same playing field, but for some reason... Absolutely not. I think it is. Absolutely not. I, Old Spice is classic. I mean, classic. That carried on like three or four generations. Like, it was good, right? Axe is not going to last that. I'm sorry, Axe. How long has Axe been around? Check so, it out. Check so, it out, bro. It's been out. It's been out since like what? Late nineties, early two so, thousands. How long has Axe? What is it? Oh shoot! So, here's the thing. Would Sir the Elegant no the the amazing illustrious Terry Crews? represent a product that was not of exquisite quality and he's representing x oh wait no, no, no he's not yeah did you did you oh okay, i see what he did okay <laughs> no he's not <laughs> i think x x is just the white trash version of old spice but that puts them in the same playing field no i feel like a white trash version of anything it puts it on a playing field lower <laughs> Yeah, so here's the deal. You'd have to be around to really appreciate the depth of this, but Axe is actually the next generation of the, the Polo generation. The Polo generation? Polo. Ralph Lauren developed Polo and developed a fragrance named Polo that was the stank <laughs> of the late 80s, early 90s. So Axe, okay, the Axe, the Axe brand was first launched in France back in 1983. After success in Europe, Latin America, and other parts of the world, Axe was introduced in the U.S. in 2002. Time to replace the word Axe in the Google search bar with Old Spice and see where that takes us. Probably to Old Spice. I'm going to say Old Spice's website. The 40s. I'm going to go with the 40s. Old Spice. Uh, Taylor, do you have a guess? On when Old Spice was created. Uh, How old is Old Spice? Well, in the Bible, they talk about frankincense oh and myrrh. Uh, so That's I'm, probably not far off. <laughs> so you so think you, you close think the, to okay. zero AD? I'm thinking. Let's let's look. Let's let's pretend we're or, at no z- 34 BC. Let's pretend we're the three wise men. We walk into the cave well, a lot of where pretending. Jesus that's was born, and Taylor, you go. Here's some gold, and I go. Here's some. Uh, are you you saying would not the be there. Hold on. It, it, there's there's barn animals. There's a there's joke stuff. here. Okay. I'm trying to get to the right. joke. It's like here's some gold. Are we saying that old spice is the frankincense or the myrrh? Frankincense. Uh, right? I I, yeah. I I think it's the gold. Okay, so here's the gold. Whatever. Here's the gold. Here's the myrrh, and here's the frankincense. 
There you that, go. That would be a really good ad. I think you should work for them. That's actually a pretty good idea. I that's been trademarked. Okay. <laughs> Old Spice's first product introduced in 1937. <gasps> oh, I was so you close. were so close. I was very close. So close. The 30s. Okay, so I grew up in Northwest Indiana, so like Hammond, Gary, Portage, Valpo area, right? So that growing up, you met the though, Gary, Indiana. It, no, listen, at growing <laughs> up. Even though we crossed a state line, we were still part of the Chicagoland area. Sir we John were. Gary, so Indiana. So in that, 1937 is actually still part of the 40s. <laughs> this is We're drinking Dad's root beer, and I'm an old dad, so okay. I could say stuff like that. Old Spice's first product was actually a fragrance. Hopefully it doesn't, doesn't continue off of your thought and like asking you any questions about that. what you were telling. It just moves on instantly to a web search. <laughs> I just don't know where to take it. I'm actually not there good at... There is nowhere to take that. that I'm was, not... That was just... Okay, well, that makes me feel better. Rub his head, give him his jello, and walk away. That was a very old person I, thing I, to say. I, that's what I'm saying. I, 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 compared to you guys, I'm just kind of that place. Like. I like jello. Okay, but this guys, this is an interesting fact. Uh, the first Old Spice product was actually a fragrance for women. That's what I was getting at. In the 24 See, years... See, women are classy. Wait, what's sometimes? Oh, <laughs> okay. well, not yeah, not all. Unfortunately, not all men are classy either. Shout, shout out to equality. Twenty twenty two, staying relevant. Tana's just over here on the beanbag chair, judging us. Right, read your Google search. Let's go on. Well, that was the most interesting part. But in the twenty four years since P and G bought the brand from Shelton, Old Spice grew from a re regional label with a hundred million dollars in annual sales to a global product with five hundred million dollars. I'd be willing to say that Axe probably makes more money than Old Spice does. Oh, okay. absolutely. One, they got a wider product base. So, did you say whiter or wider? W I D as in dog. E R. Wider. So here we are trying to you know play up old spice so you can get a great sponsor and you're just shooting it down before you even get oh, is the that sponsor, what we're trying right? to do yeah we're trying to help you out we already, kill, I, we already killed x i'm currently wearing old spice actually the deal <laughs> yeah it's great and uh it, it gives me wings I, oh sh crap crap <laughs> wrong brand wrong <laughs> yes every morning i splash some Not red bull in my pits <laughs> <laughs> wrong product altogether bro don't drink your old spice baby that's the problem i'm just having a little too much dad's root beer <laughs> sure okay so we just uh we just went and watched the northmen viking movie it was a movie it was a movie it was like an art piece was it like two and a half hours you know what it really was thank you for saying yeah that. no it definitely was i was sitting there when i see movies with you daibu i uh actually i don't even know if i ever said your name uh your name is mark england the original the og not the second i've had the second on before i'm the cheap I'm the cheap prototype made with inferior parts. The million dollar man. He's shaking his head. Anyway. Um whenever I go see movies with you, I'm I'm always sitting there kind of like wondering because I respect you so much. I'm like, I wonder what he's gonna think of this. I wonder and I'm like looking at it through a different lens. So what did you think I thought of the movie then? If you had to guess, you, you know me for a few years now and yeah. you know we've been to movies together well what you just said about it being an art piece definitely was something i thought i'm like this might be too artsy for him like not that you don't appreciate art but you're not into movies like that as much so that clicked for me so is that jordan peele movie coming out is that gonna be artsy is that what because <sighs> my I, my my word for that was weird 
And I, I enjoyed the Northmen. I, I will say that, but my word for it was weird. I think we got a. I got a better reaction out of you for the Men movie that's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That Jordan. Peele. No, 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 no. The men. Oh yeah, that's whoa, bro. Yeah. He, I laughed. So he like, said, you're really looking forward to that I one. I'm like, that. no. I'm yeah, not. weird, religious undertones, uh, it was supernatural like, stuff going on. It's like a horror movie. Yeah. And uh, I instantly knew that he would hate that movie. And so I, of course, said, you're going to love that one. <laughs> I think you were right. So He's going to hate it. I would see that movie not necessarily as a horror movie. I mean, it could be. I, won't, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it, and I won't. I won't watch it. But I would think of it, it's probably going to turn out to be one of those things where, like, she's crazy and she's stuck in her own head. And everything that's happening around her and to her is all psychological. Or all the men are evil in the movie and she, as the woman, is going to triumph over them and show how she is uh, the only good person because all the rest of the characters in the movie are You bad. know what? You're well, probably right. And my take on it was probably hashtag I, I'm a women misogynistic great. pig. Hashtag 2022. Well, I mean, that is how, you know, reality is. So it's only right that they <laughs> should make a movie about it. That's, that was too much of a political political thing. Back to the Roots does not get political. Oh, all right. Well, I don't want to take off now. <laughs> See you You're just sitting there waiting for your opportunity. Oh, goodness. Um, I, I gave up being political about five years ago. But that movie, so the Jordan Peele movie coming out, nope. I'm actually really excited about that. I don't. I'll go with it. I'll go. I'll go see it with you. Okay, it's gonna be Taylor. We'll take Taylor too if he's available. Yeah, because Jordan Peele has made some other like thriller movies. They're not quite horror movies. Like, uh, did you see Us, Taylor? Yeah, I saw Us. Because that's thought, Jordan no, Peele. No, absolutely not. It, I saw the. I've seen clips. It, from it that felt movie. like everyone thought it's it was actually, gonna be super political, and then it it really wasn't. And uh, it was a cool setup. Delivery was a little eh at the end there. But I thought it was interesting. But yeah. um, that's the one where that woman like sews that girl's lips together, right? Uh, no. There's uh, there's a uh, one of the. I, I think of a different movie then. I think there, that's uh, Little Orphan Annie. You're thinking of no, that Little Orphan Annie. <laughs> Drink your old thing, kids. I just don't. I don't know where to go from there. The Northman. The North. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, well, I know no. Jordan Peele. Yeah, because. Keen Peel. He's almost as old as I am. Really? Yeah, he's like, well, yeah, almost. He's in the same decade. What, what excites me about that movie? It's called. It's called Nope. Yeah. It's coming out. Yeah. Is gone is the era in horror movies where they don't show you what is happening. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. And in based on just the trailer, it looks like they're not showing you what is happening, and that. I respect that absolutely. Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. I respect. Harkens back to Hitchcock. Yep. I, I absolutely respect that. That they're not showing what's what's going to happen. Well, what is the greatest thing to fear? Fear yeah, itself. No. If you understand it or see it, it's instantly less scary than it was before the moment you saw it. I don't necessarily think, though, that because it was that way in the trailer is how it's going to actually be in the movie. Oh, yeah, that's always possible. <laughs> because they're, they're not going to show you what it is in the movie. Like, they show a shot of, like, because it's going to be, like, aliens, essentially, because it's, like, a UFO situation. They show, like, a couple frames of it. But they're not going to show you what it is because they want to create create some intrigue, which not everybody does in movie trailers, which those are the worst movie trailers. Where, where like, they show you the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. But Or the only good part is the 30 seconds in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of those. So let's talk about the Northmen some more. Okay. So. Taylor had an interesting comment about the sex scene. <laughs> oh. Um, so. <laughs> this was actually interesting because. 
I, I struggle to understand. I will say that it was not explicit. Thank you. I I, I struggle to see uh, the value of sex scenes in movies generally. Yeah. Like, of course, it it, it it deepens the relationship of whoever it is in the story. Well, but... in that culture, they were married then. Really? Oh, absolutely. In the in that situation, that so the act if of you go back biblically, see, like they talk about. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you guys have heard it or not, but they used to talk about even up to my generation, you had to consummate the marriage. And in conservative circles, it was very important for the bride and the groom after the ceremony, after the reception, everybody else went home to consummate the marriage that night. Because if you go way back biblically, um, it's the act of sex made, you know, that was that sealed the deal. Hmm. So, I mean, because. You know, it's, it talks about in the Bible, the two shall become one flesh. I'm not saying every time you have sex with a person, you're married to them. Absolutely not saying that. I'm saying that in that tradition, at that time, they viewed it that way. Gotcha. So where do you then... Because you, you seem to be justifying that scene in the movie. Oh, I don't of think that. it was necessary, but okay. I, I understand it. I don't right. think it was necessary. I'm right. glad that it wasn't more than what it was because well, I would have been like done. I would have like checked out. But what do you think the purpose of the scene in the movie was? Not not just this not movie. Not for the audience. Like for. sex scenes in movies in general. To, to make sex sells. Psychology 101. If you include, if you include, it'll get all the things that get leaked. That'll get leaked. Are you talking about just the general lust that comes with sex? Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Go so ahead, Taylor, say say your thought because I thought this was interesting. So I I had always heard that, and I kind of agreed with that because that was naturally the viewpoint I was presented coming from a conservative upbringing was that that was always just oh, it's going to be you know these lustful sex scenes are going to get people really into it. Single guys who are like horny are really going to want to see this movie. Because it is a sex scene, and maybe that's the case with like some teenagers. There and are stuff. well, there and that is the case for some movies. Okay, I need to use the mic correctly. Uh, Correct. So, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see that idea in some cases, but I don't think that's always what people are looking for. Um, like even secular friends I have, they were never going to those movies knowing about that, and they don't put that in the trailer most of the time. Um, and so the thought I have had since I've been married is that those scenes are not for single guys to be lusting after and to get them to, you know, sex sells, see the movie, that it's actually there in a lot of movies for, you know, you to be there with your partner and look over at them and be like, ah. <laughs> because before I was married, I never understood that oh, seeing a sex scene in a movie gets you a little bit going, you know? Okay, so that's 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 a conversation not for, for back to the roots, but I will I will say to you, <sighs> As your mentor, to to tread lightly on that school well, of thought. He he brought it up. So and <laughs> I did bring it up. You the you, you said you volunteered your uh, your opinion though earlier. outside of the podcast. If we, if we go down this rabbit trail, people will start turning off the podcast. I wish quickly. I wish that we could talk about anything we want without any repercussions, but I know that's not true. So we'll just. I'll tell you what. If we ever get our podcast up and going, we will cover some some sub subjects that. You we, guys have a we, podcast? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I we wanna, have one. I want to do one for, I want to have an ongoing series of podcasts for the ministry. So, And we have one episode. Okay, that's cool. Life for Christ. What's the name of the YouTube channel it's on? LFCK? I think it's I that. Think so. L, just LFCK. 
Yep. That was a. And that was a history of my history of, the, you know, how, how I got started and how the ministry came to be, that kind of thing. That is something else that I wanted to. Did, did anybody else have anything they wanted to say about the Northmen? I thought that the, the scene in the Northmen was intended to be artsy along with the whole movie. Oh, yeah. In this case, yes. I was just sort of expressing one way my view of those scenes has changed since getting married. Oh, absolutely. I can can understand why you would think that. Absolutely. Are you annoyed by artsy movies? No, some of them I really dig. Like, like, do you have one? No. Off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head, but some of them I really dig. I like, because I do like art. I love art. Yeah. You know? Um, Your culture. As a teenage person, it would not be anything for me to, like, do something stupid like skip school and go hang with my buds and do stuff I shouldn't do, but also at the same time be not unheard of for me to skip school and drive to Chicago and totally Ferris be lured up and hang out at the Chicago Art Institute. If so, you're trying to raise your mic, you can, that handle bit, so that, that grippy bit underneath that, you twist that right to lock it in. I'm not a modern art guy, um, but I like I like the history of art. I like, you know, under, just the story behind stuff. Are you a museum guy? Oh, Absolutely. I'm a knighted museum guy. I'm a knighted museum guy. I'm a Robin Williams guy. Yeah. I I think I could get more into museums now as an adult, but the issue is, is whether it's an art museum, which actually I would like to go to, um, or a history museum, I get, I just get hangry. I'm walk, I'm standing, I'm walking. So take some food with you, bro. I, 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 Uh, 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 you're an adult. I wasn't when I went to museums before. I went with my family and I was like horrible. So I never went back. I'll drop you off at the train station. You take South Shore into Chicago. You hit up the History Museum. You hit up, you know. Chicago Art Institute. Yeah. I do want to go there. Go do Science and Industry when they got like the Star Wars exhibit out there or something. I think I have been to. Well, I've been to Shedd Aquarium. I know that's. That is not a museum. It's not a museum. It's the same concept, though. Okay. It's like here's stuff on the wall. Look at it. Except this stuff is in the wall and it's moving. <laughs> it's live art. <laughs> Which I think, from my understanding of LSD, if you just do that and wow. go to an art museum, those, it's the same thing. That's those mushrooms the Vikings reading in the movie today. Okay, so the movie itself it was artsy, but the parts of it, there were parts of it too that were really raw and intense and scratched the itch of appetite for destruction. Marcus Luttrell at the Bengal Bouts last this month last month whenever we went yeah you know talked about an appetite for destruction and you know just the the battles were intense so it it did it did cover those bases so does any anyone else feel like william defoe like he has been in almost every movie in the last couple years just chewed up his every scene he was in what do you mean, chewed up? Like, like he was chewed up or he chewed up every scene he was he, in? He, as far as an actor, just stands out as doing phenomenal in every role he's been in recently. So, I mean, in this movie, he was like a crazy shaman. What was he? He was William Defoe. He was the... Uh, he was in that light that Lighthouse movie that came out yep. in the last couple of years. I keep hearing about that one. I don't remember what it's called. It, it's I, good. I, I think it's called The it, Lighthouse. I thought about watching it, but it's got this Blair Witch feel, and I will never revisit Blair Witch. It's, it's black and white with William Defoe and Robert Pattinson, and they are lighthouse keepers uh, on an island, essentially, where they are just there for like a month. They have a, a month-long stint there, and uh, Robert Pattinson is sort of the new lighthouse keeper, and uh, William Defoe is the old lighthouse keeper, and he is not... Uh, 
right in the head in some way, shape, or form. And Robert Pattinson is becoming less right in the head the longer he stays on this island. And it's sort of left up to you whether there's some spiritual force going on on the island or whether it's just the characters going insane. Or both. But you say that it's probably because this movie ends in a lighthouse, but Shutter Island it kind of... Never saw that one either. Shutter Island's really good. And it's not like, it's not a horror movie. It's a psychological thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Super good. And plus it's Leo DiCaprio and he's... Well, don't roll your eyes at Leo DiCaprio. He's one of the greats. Wow. Don't, don't, don't put that on me. Nobody knows, nobody knows that I rolled my eyes. You, you said you didn't ever want to revisit the Blair Witch. Yeah. What, what, what did you not like about that movie? I'm not saying I liked it, but I'm curious to hear your take. Because it was a unique movie. It was a unique movie. The premise of the movie was fascinating. Um, okay, so... Oh. You're going to get this all out of here, aren't you? Um, Q's uh, fortunate sons with <laughs> <laughs> flashbacks. <laughs> right, so no. Um, well... So there's the witch thought, right? There's a witch doing all of this and whatever. But my mind always crosses over into serial serial killers. Right. So like, for instance, I saw The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. And I saw that with my nephew. And he loved it. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin I Phoenix. I don't even know how to say it. Joaquin. Come see The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Was, his brother's name was River. I mean, let's let's do something simple like that. But anyway, so I saw The Joker. Um, Stand By Me was a good movie. My nephew... <laughs> My nephew loved the Joker movie as a Joker movie. I didn't think it was a Joker movie. I thought the guy was a serial killer who thought he was the Joker, or a spree killer at least, mm. who had a psycholo- psychological break and, you know, took on this persona that really he was not actually the Joker. That's my whole take on the movie. It was really, and it was just, serial killers are real people, and they do really bad things. And because of my education and background, I've been in those minds, and... It's a place I don't like to go back to. Because you were in cr- criminal. So I did. I I did uh, criminal justice through the Indiana University program with a focus in serial murder profiling and forensic science. So, right. but Blair Witch, same thought. My mind goes over into um, that's probably the work of a serial murderer. You know. Hmm. So even though it was a spiritual movie, you. You... They sold it as a spiritual movie, right? But was it really? I mean, let's get the guy who wrote the wrote the story alone. Let's get him plied with a little beverage and find out what he was really thinking. He might just volunteer it. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? They usually don't, though. So you you just default to the serial killer thing. Where my mind goes, and that's a dark place that I just I'd rather stay out of. So you're not into like the whole true crime fad or anything like that. No, not anymore. I was when I was younger. Um, why, why do you think that's why is that so interesting to like because like people my age are really into it especially women i think we've talked about this before taylor brandy like, uh brandy often turns those on as soon as i fall asleep in bed and i just oh, yeah. wake up to you know and, and the then, family was buried in a bathtub in the backyard for chopped 20 years up into 37 pieces yeah and it's just like oh she's enjoying herself i'm gonna go back to sleep now and <laughs> hope this doesn't affect she's my dreams happy place or the fact that i might wake up buried in the backyard um <laughs> No, Jenny Jenny watches uh well she doesn't actively watch but she's watched a lot of true, true crime shows. Um you know, my mom 
reads true crime books, um, you know, whatever. So I don't, I don't, you, when you don't understand the reality of it and the depth of the reality of it and how close people walk to that reality, you, it is, it's fascinating. You know, it's like that whole, why do you, why are girls attracted to the bad boys in life? Why, why do people naturally want to, you know, bend or slightly break the rules without reservation? Um, there is a draw to that. Um, but when you start to really understand and get into the depth of it, it just, it messes with your head. You know, I took, I took psych psychology in college and I really struggled with the regular psych classes. But when I got into ab psych, abnormal psychology, and we started dealing with these people, it was much easier to process, learn, and understand. And I fared much better in class. Was it just because it was more interesting? There's, because it's more abnormal it's, by definition? Yeah, it's, well, there's a reality to it. There's a reality to it. it you know, not that there's not a reality to the other thing, but you can touch it and smell it and feel it and probably brushed up against it walking down the street. Have you ever, you've, how old are you? Well, he met John Gary, Indiana. So Sir Gary. John Gary, Indiana. Sir, Sir John Gary. Sir and he was at least 200 years ago, so. <laughs> I'll be 49 in July. So you've been around for 49 years. You've 49 known years. a lot of people. You've been yes. around a lot of places. Yes. Have you ever met anybody or known somebody and thought this person might have either homicidal tendencies. Wow. Wow. Or <laughs> actively. So I have I have been a teacher for the last 33 years. And so I started young um, teaching martial arts. And my understanding of teaching and, and mentoring really grew over the last 25 years. Um but I have absolutely known people that I watch very intently and very carefully because they're very close to the one wrong interaction being the tipping point for whether they, you know, are a workplace shooter or go out and do harm to random people. I mean, can I ask a broader question? Mm -hmm. Have you ever met someone that made you feel like you were really staring into the face of someone who was just consumed with evil? Absolutely. Toe-to-toe -to -toe, within an inch and a half. Did you kill him? Did you kiss him? You, an, inch and a half is, <laughs> an inch and a half there is pretty There was no close. tongue. There was no tongue. No, we were. Um, he stepped up to me, and he, he had evil in his eyes, and he had evil intent. And I was ready to go. And luckily, and I will throw out my, my beliefs there, God intervened in stop that situation because it would have been really bad really bad but yeah no i have so that's one instance there have been a few there have been a few where i've looked in somebody's face and like oh they, this is not this is not okay this is evil i'm looking at talking to interacting with but yeah one guy in particular was and i knew him well yeah because I, I meet some some people that were hopeless and desperate and you know they you think they might do something someday because of that and i've met people who are very arrogant and i can clearly see that in them but I, I don't know that i've met someone who i feel like is just there possessed by evil like they are they've chosen that path wholly and completely they've embraced it yeah, yeah. it's not it's not some place you want to go 
and meeting people who have actually done that and actually have walked with people like that. That's a, that's a group of people that just kind of, when you, when you meet somebody else who's been there, you have this unspoken thing between you because not a lot of people get do experience that. Hmm. Well, I think they don't get seen by everybody who's around them. If, cause people aren't always that observant. They're too focused on what's going on in their own lives. And so if you see that person, they see that you see them mm. and, and there's your unspoken understanding of like, yeah, <laughs> palpable tension. Palpable. So you're, uh, there's, there's a couple directions that I kind of want to go, but, um, I guess I'll go with the easy direction first because this is everybody has asked this, especially as people like find out that you do martial arts. They always ask, well, have you ever fought anybody in per- like on the street? Like, has anything ever happened? And like you said, you went toe to toe to this, this actual bad guy and nothing ever happened. But have you ever been in a situation where it didn't deescalate? Okay. That's, that's a hard question to answer. So let, 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 I'll answer it honestly. I'll answer it honestly. Okay. 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 So, um, as a young man, I had, anger issues and a problem with my temper so let me let me let me split this into two categories let's go immature quote-unquote you and then mature you immature me i got into lots of fights okay matter of fact i got in a lot of blackout fights like blackout drunk or like knocked no out blackout no like i i blacked out and beat the snot out of somebody dang yeah and i don't remember doing it like i Still don't remember doing it. It was other people who witnessed it and experienced it who were like, well, you remember, you know, you did it. I'm like, no, that didn't happen. They're like, uh, seriously? Yeah, no, that really happened. You did that. I'm like, not good. <laughs> I've heard a couple people who've started fight clubs, and it usually ends after several, like, weeks or months as word kind of gets around, and a Muay Thai fighter shows up, and knocks the person who made the uh, fight club <laughs> out. And then after that, they're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm disbanding this. We're done. It's over. Everybody out of the pool. You say that like you've researched starting a fight club. He before. was in a fight club. He watched the dude get knocked out and he stopped it. I got kicked in the head. I was on my back. It was, it was me and Brandy's first date. It was kind of embarrassing, you know. <laughs> Did Brandy kick you in the head? She does Muay Thai. She was the Muay Thai fighter. <laughs> she, was, she's, she was like five-time world champion Muay Thai. She took and claimed her prize. <laughs> you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, and then here's the... Uh, well, Taylor, I'm going to ask you the same question. You've done martial arts for like a few years longer than me. Don't know exactly how many. Like four? Uh, five? I've probably done it for 13-ish total. And I'm I'm on ten, so yeah, about three years, maybe twelve. So I think we're in we're in similar boats, but have you ever been in a situation where that's actually like you've had to use some form of your training? Not since having been trained. I mean, me and my brother were rougher than probably average, uh, but I mean, siblings fight. But he he had a little bit of anger issues, and he worked on him. He's a good person, so. I'm not saying he's a bad person or anything like that, but I definitely would take my fair share of beatings at that age. <laughs> he was an intense individual when we were yeah. younger, for sure. But no, yeah. not since I've been trained really though. Have you ever been in a situation where it's almost happened? Where you thought you might had to use, might have to use it? Uh well actually I've sort of been in a situation where I used it, but not in the way you'd think. Mm, I uh, like the story. Go ahead. 
So at one point I was working with people with disabilities and, uh, of course I didn't, you know, punch them in the face and, <laughs> and sidekick them into oblivion or, or anything like that. Uh, but people with disabilities often have a lot of, uh, what we call behaviors. And when those behaviors happen, they'll try to hit you. They'll try to grab a knife. They'll, uh, try to pick up a broom and hit you with it. And I've had points where I've, someone's tried to hit me with a broom. I've outside blocked it, wrapped it up in my arm and then just let them like beat on my chest because they're really short and they get tired and then they give up. I had one time where I had to use, I had to talk a knife out of somebody's hands and I feel like the intention I had of getting that out of their hands came a lot from the mentality we have in class hmm. uh, and just sort of like, hey, you don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> Dad was fist pumping. Yeah. So I've sort of used it in a way, it, it, it comes in in ways you don't expect, you know, you don't necessarily always have that dramatic scenario with somebody that you, you know, had this big drag out fight with a group of gangsters and you're like, oh, wow, oh, wow. I'm glad I've taken a couple martial arts classes. Otherwise I would have been screwed. But like in little ways throughout life, I think you definitely use it. Mm -hmm. are, are you, do you see that with new students a lot that they come in with this kind of fantasy of what it means to be a martial artist? It's been a long time. Well, kids, little kids, yes, they all want to be. What's the what's the anime guy? Neurotic, ner Goku, Naruto, Nar is, is Naruto, Naruto, yeah. yeah, Sasuke. Is that his? <laughs> wow, that sounded. Wow. Anyway, Naruto, Sasuke. Yeah. So that guy, they want to be that guy. They want to be Ninja Turtles. They want to be Batman. You know, Batman. They want to be so. They, yes, there's that the little kid fantasy. Yeah. Or uh, no, the Lego the Lego guys. Uh, uh, Ninjago? Ninjago. Ninjago. They, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, so those guys, yes. The older ones who want to be bad to the bone and beat people up and stuff like that, not so much. That's that's rare. They get a guy like that. And the, usually they don't last real long. What's the main What's the main motivation when you see people walk into the school for the first time and start taking classes? Like... Uh, you know, David starts coming and you asked him that the other day, like why he started or something like that. And he talked about, well, he's like, well, I got three girls. I want to be able to protect them and teach them how to protect themselves and stuff like that. Is that kind of like a, a general, like pretty basic? I think people want to feel safer. Hmm. They want to feel safer. They want to, they don't want to go into a situation being a victim. I mean, because of social media. Um, because of the lack of restraint in news media, publishing certain things, putting certain things out there, people see what it's like to get clobbered with a pipe and, you know, outside of a store on a city, city street or to get ambushed outside their front door or whatever. Right. And so they don't want that or they want at least a fighting chance. And that makes a big difference. Cause you know, when I was really little, I got bullied a lot. Um, and I don't, don't get picked at very much anymore. And if somebody does approach me with intent of just pushing my buttons, I can easily redirect that with, you know, a look or my voice, you know, my words, whatever, because I have the confidence of if you throw a punch, buddy, it's, it's on, <laughs> it's going to be done quick. And you're going to want an ice pack. 
So I'd sort of turn the question back on you. Have you had the opportunity to use your skills? My fight's been in card. Tell us, come on, confess. Or if it's not a fight, in what ways has it, have you used those skills that maybe you wouldn't normally think of as the traditional use of them? Um, No, I haven't been in a fight. Although, as both of you know, (laughs) there's part of me that really wants to. We'll be out at a restaurant and there will be some douchebag acting douchey and I'll just kind of be like, I want to fight that guy. And it's it's partially a joke. I'll fight you, Carter, if you want. No, because I know you're gonna you're gonna wipe the floor with me. I fought you enough to actually know. You said you wanted to fight, not a rigged match. I, I'll I'll translate that. I'll beat you up, Carter, if you want. I want it to be a fight. I don't want it to be dominated. I don't think he'd wipe the floor with you. You're both talented martial. I haven't artists. been training in six months. You know, you you'd probably I think tear me up. Although I think, he's he's learning the old ways. He's taunting you. <laughs> I think if we were to fight, if we could stay standing. I have a higher chance, but as soon as we hit the floor, it would change. Because you do, you, I've gotten better on the floor, but you still do dominate me when we grapple. But are you calling me fat? <laughs> no. <I'm just> de- <laughs> <laughs> but now that you bring it up, Dietrich, 2% because okay. you think you're fat. Um, so no, no, I've never been in a fight. There was one time with Kempo John when we were in Chicago, and there were just those. He beat you up, didn't he? I can, yeah. I, I, I can, uh, you know, discipline for you. I don't talk about it because he's like three belts under me, and I feel yeah. bad. Um, I don't know if he ever told you this story. I don't think I have because it's not really much of a story. But we were in Chicago. I was shooting some man on the street stuff for his hypnotism stuff. So I had my camera. He was out doing his thing. We were walking back into uh, the parking lot where we'd parked our car in downtown Chicago, and he. Uh, there was some like some skater kids in the parking lot and they were late high school, early twenties. And like they either did a trick or Campo says they did like a bottle flip or something. And we're like hundred feet away and they do the trick and Campo goes nice or like nice job. And they like thought he was being sarcastic. So they kind of started like being kind of passive aggressive with him. And then we kind of walked over to our car and they kind of were walking over with us. Um, and then John was just standing out in front of the car, kind of head to head with the guys. And I was kind of like just putting my camera away, trying to just act normal. But then at that point, I'm like, this might there, there's a possibility that this actually escalates. So then I like put my camera in the car, closed the door, kind of walked around in front. So I'm like, if this does happen, we're going to be together when it happens. But it de-escalated and it was fine. But that's the closest situation I've ever been in. Um there is part of me though that does want something to happen because it's that that what did you say desire for destruction appetite for, appetite yeah, for destruction appetite for destruction desire for destruction I don't remember Marcus Luttrell but I, he it was it was a quote by him from a few weeks back and that was one of my favorite scenes from The Northman is like it tapped into the very like the rawest version of that is like toward the beginning when they're raiding the village and like all of them like embrace like their they like morph into wolves essentially their inner inner wolf yeah Yeah, and then they just like and i was watching that the first time i'm like if i ever go into the cage i want to watch this scene before i go in because it would get me in a very much more intense mindset but there is all there's there's that desire that wants something to happen at some point it it really goes to show because despite the fact that this movie is so like artistic and takes like liberties and potentially the characters that are all on psychedelics or there's just supernatural stuff going on in the movie depending on how you look at it a lot of mushrooms on screen in the movie 
Uh, <laughs> Shout out to mushrooms. Um, mushrooms. Depending on how you like look at that, uh, you could either look at it. Oh, is this movie is like way out there? But actually, in some ways, it seems very grounded in like a real culture that existed. And uh, absolutely, yeah. And they, it feels like they went out of their way to be authentic. I haven't done research into that to see how authentic they are to a lot of those things. Uh, but even back then, they understood things like breath and chanting and these different things that can get a powerful emotional reaction in yourself to change your mentality to give you a feeling and experience a shared communal experience in a lot of ways and while i was watching that i was thinking i would really love to go into the woods with a bunch of guys and just like scream or howl at the moon i think that would be a cool feeling you would get from an experience like that i'll do that with you yeah let's do it that's fun (laughs) it it um have you seen you've seen hakas, right? It's yeah. a, it's a yeah, similar yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. When yeah. I like kind of discovered those, I went down a rabbit hole of just looking them up on YouTube and stuff cuz I'm like this is like it's so emotional. It taps into that primal kind of Yeah. Vi- well, yeah, I understand what you're saying. So I have a little of experience with uh like controlled breath work and uh getting like a a natural high from it. So I've done a little bit of like Wim Hof breathing, which a lot of people heard about. It's super popular on like social media and whatnot right now. And basically you're intentionally hyperventilating, which triggers a sort of high in your body. It, a lot of tingling sensations and stuff like that. And it's also like a meditative, like mindfulness practice. So you clear out your mind a little bit and you get really relaxed, uh, but you also feel energized at the same time. Um, and I don't know, like a lot of that stuff is really cool. It's really interesting. I disconnect the, like any spiritual components to it that some people like to put into it. Cause it really, there's a lot of psychological reasons it happens. There's a lot of physiological reasons that it happens. Um, but I think it's definitely like kind of cool to try out as a unique experience. Mm-hmm. You, you've been pensive, thoughtful looking. Would you like to share your thoughts with the class? Just guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, just guess. No, I'm listening. That's all. It's just listening. So back to taking it in. Back to though, you said, um, you know, it's a a lot of people come and they start doing martial arts because they want to feel safer. Uh, what percent of being, because as as, let me ask the question: What percent of being a martial artist is that aspect, like being able to actually like defend yourself? Well, it depends on what demographic you're serving. I mean, if you're serving uniquely um, older demographic, then it's going to be a higher percentage. But if the older demographic is, is just a lower overall percentage of your student population, then that percentage will be significantly lower hmm. because the, the little kids aren't there necessarily to feel safer. Maybe some of them who are getting bullied and picked on, absolutely. But in general, they're there because it's cool, it's fun, or mommy made me. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, that, that wanting to feel safer for a younger kid is going to be... Um, a bully situation or a, or a, some other bad situation that they're experiencing where they need, feel like they need to protect themselves, maybe abuse or whatever. Um, and then it's, you know, older people, you know, guys who want to take care of their families or take care of their family someday when they have a family or, or whatever, you know? So, cause I, uh, what was it? It was about a year ago where I told you I wanted to start training and compete in like MMA, UFC style sort of competition. Um, And we had conversations and you were like, 
I'm not going to train you to be a fighter. I'm going to train you to be a martial artist. And at first I'm like, okay, yeah. And, but then it, it started to sink in what that actually means. And I've explained that to people. I've tried to explain it to people since, because I told a bunch of people when I was starting, I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm training for this. And then they're asking me now, like, is, are you still doing that? Is that still something you want to do? And I kind of have to explain that my focus has shift shifted because originally without kind of knowing it, I wanted to be, be, be more of a fighter than a martial artist. Um, you're saying you do want to be more of a fighter than a martial artist? I did when I started okay. that. But since, and as I've seen more of the other aspects, I mean, I've been in martial arts for 10 years, but I haven't actually started to see the other aspects of being a martial artist and how it differentiates from a fighter. But how would you differentiate those two? Partially for my own benefit. Okay, so let's speak specifically to UFC-style fighting. Um, there are a couple of mindsets going into that that I'm aware of. Maybe there are more, but there are a couple going into that. One is everybody's got their, cause it's a, it's a sport. There's rules, there's points, there's belts, there's prize money. It's a sport. Right. Um, it's a very violent sport. Football's a violent sport. Rugby is a very violent sport. I would like to see the scientific data on which is more violent rugby or MMA. Um, but I think I've heard that uh, football has as many debilitating injuries like that affect people for their whole lives as MMA does. Yeah. Well, the brain, the, that's specifically addressing like brain injury and stuff like that, you know. So, but I mean, like Jenny's cousin plays rugby. She played in college. She, 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 she broke another girl's femur <laughs> in a rugby match. And it's just like mad respect. So, um, Anyway, so the people go into it when that's their sport. That's what they want to do. Whether you want to play baseball, golf, football, you want to box, you want to fence, you want to whatever. They want to be MMA players for black. I mean, lack of a better word, you know, they like judo players. Um, so there's that, and then there are guys who just really enjoy getting pounded on and really enjoy pounding on other people, and in that that they're in it for that reason. Yeah. Now, if there's another reason out there, I don't know. Um. You know, I'm not in that world, um, and I will stay away from that world because of who I used to be. And, you know, if you're a recovering alcoholic, you tend not to go visit the bars. And since I'm recovering from a, a past of violence and whatever, I'm not going to go put myself in a situation where I'm, you know, being pounded on and pounding on somebody just for sport, for fun. So, so that's... That's what you would say differentiates yeah, a fighter and a martial artist. A fighter is somebody who likes to fight. They they want to they want to get hit and they want to hit somebody and that's all they want. Right now, there's a little bit of that in us as martial artists. There has to be because it's just part of what we do. But we want to protect. We want to get so good at what we do that we don't have to do it. I mean, think about that for just a minute. Martial a true martial artist has the ability but wants to get so good in their ability that they don't have to cause great physical harm, that they can de-escalate the situation either with their words or with minimal effort. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if they have to unleash, they can. I think a big component of that is control. Because like I, I've seen some martial artists who, in particular, don't do a lot of live sparring uh, and they do, uh, they're, they're fighters, they're professional fighters. And I, I don't know much about their records. I don't follow MMA a lot, but 
one thing I found was kind of unique about them was uh, the idea is like, look, if I'm training to, you know, plan on getting hit, then yeah, I would like do a lot of live sparring. These guys are trying to master dodging to the extent where they won't need it. I don't know. So it's like that idea of having some control, I think applies a little bit, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. I want to be in control. Well, you go into like the Japanese principles of two bodies as one. And they use that for, I mean, Jigoro Kano used that for throwing and whatever, but you can use that even just in touch. Like, you know, I've taught you guys that once you make contact with your opponent, you really want to maintain contact because there's that sense it's the sense in, you know, I can see it, I can smell it, I can taste it, I can touch it. The sense of touch that if they move, the your ability to react to that movement is is faster because you feel it before you see it yeah. or sense it in another way. So you want that touch. But in order to do that and react to that appropriately, you've got to be pretty good at what you do. So that's not something you teach in a self-defense course over a couple weekends. We... uh so because of the nature of our school, our ministry, um, we only meet twice a week. Do you think that that's often enough to get good enough at what we do for, for like, you're saying like in the context of touching and stuff, you need to be good enough to use your training. Do you think that being going for between two and four or six hours a week, do you think that's enough? If all you do is in-class training, then you will not be good enough. You have to practice outside on your own to get where you want to go if you want to be that good. Hmm. You have to. You absolutely have to. Um, Shout out to James O'Connor. You follow him on social media. I mean, the guy is constantly drilling, whether he's teaching a whole class, he's doing private lessons, where it's just him in a dummy bag or not even a dummy bag. And he's just working on his techniques and parts of his techniques. That's the thing that I, I have a hard time as an instructor. I get frustrated. It comes eventually. I want people to get it faster than they do. I want more people to get it than what get it, but it's not, they want to go hard and fast all the time. And that's, they want the whole technique and they're not willing to break the techniques down to work on the parts of the technique. And somebody like James O'Connor, who's really talented is because at a young age, you know, as a teenager, cause that's when I first got to start working with him uh, or when I did work with him, you know, it was during his teenage years, he back then on his own was tearing, was deconstructing, you know, as, as Christians, we talk about people deconstructing their faith. He was deconstructing his martial arts. He was taking the whole and breaking it down into pieces and evaluating. And then garbage was being set to the side and good stuff was being strengthened. And how can I strengthen it differently and better and whatever? And he's mm-hmm. come to his, he's made it his own. Mm-hmm. And he's really, really good. Yeah. it's really good. I got to pee. If you guys want to keep talking, you can. Or we can just take a break. You know what we could do? We could talk about Carter while he's gone. And how handsome he is, but how he's no Taylor Reynolds. <laughs> or we can take a break. How do you think Carter's doing? With what? The bathroom? I'm Life. Sure. We got to talk about it while he's gone. Oh. Um, he's doing pretty good, actually. I'm proud of my boys right now. You guys are you guys are killing it. 
You guys are killing it. Thank you, sir. I'm really I'm really excited about where you guys are headed and what you're doing and and whatever. So I'm looking forward to our trip to state championships. So do you know, um, I don't, it's probably something that might, might be a cut cause we're not really talking consistently, but anyways, um, do you know that I don't like it when people don't have expectations for me? Yes. Drives you nuts. Yeah. I know that about you. Yeah. Do you know that I don't set expectations for you on purpose? Huff. <laughs> exactly why too. Cause you gotta, you gotta, you I'm not saying you can't feel that way, but you got to learn how to deal with that. And I watch you closely and when, and I know who you are and who you want to be. And when I see you pull back off that a little bit, I'll challenge you to get back. Right. But I don't have to as a general rule of thumb. Cause I mean, how hard, how much harder am I going to push you than what you're pushing yourself? You're above average. You really are. I'm not just saying that, and I know that makes you uncomfortable, but you brought it up, and you're yeah. just you're just above average. You're not perfect. You have your flaws. You have your, you know, whatever. We all do. But, you know, you think things through. So mentally, um, you, you know, you push yourself. You hold yourself to a higher standard. Physically, you, you push yourself. You hold yourself to a higher standard. Emotionally, you struggle. But you're aware of that, and you're working on. It. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I got, I got nothing. Memorize more Bible verses here. How about that? That's a really good one. There you go. I want to have you memorize the fifth book of Peter. The fifth book of Peter. Well, yeah. You skip. There's only three. There's four. Wow. There, sorry. There was, are four. I, I was just joking. It was just a joke. Calm down, Carter. I can't calm down. I take things too seriously. Growing up, my the, dad the would, book of would jokingly have the book of Christopher and he would just insert random goofy things and it would drive my mom crazy. He's jealous because there's, there's a book of Mark. <laughs> it's Mark with a K. So, Mr. Allen, shout out to Dr. Alan Sapp. Um, you know, we talk about the, uh, the Bibles, you know, the King James Version, the KJV, NIV, New International Version, and he often refers to the um, how's he put it? Um, ASV, Alan Sapp version. He'll he'll paraphrase a scripture. I'll go no, no, that's the ASV there, the Alan Sapp version. So you feel better? You okay? I feel better. Yeah. Are you? Have you? You look better. Less are you jaundice. relieved? You. <laughs> Your eyes aren't quite as yellow. Are the kids at school? No, the kids are. What? The kids are still getting ready for school. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> um goodness gracious so th this is a question that i think is really good to ask uh you uh mark mr england i feel like i can't call you <laughs> is just that the mark. first time you called him mark probably <laughs> grand, grand felt, felt weird didn't grand poobah didn't sifu didn't it i got guys older than you calling me mr england still it's okay uh so I feel like men often look for struggle. Like we look for a fight or a struggle to be in and sort of crave that. How would you advise people to seek that out in a healthy way as like adult 
young men. Okay, so the st- a struggle to be in, a fight to be in, fight to better yourselves. Fight to better. I mean, that, that's that's the biggest fight. That's the one we want to ignore. See, the thing is, is we we act all big and tough. I mean, it's there's been stories written about guys going off to war, and that was this you know as this heroic gesture. But the reality was they were running from something at home they didn't want to face. Right. So when we start putting ourselves other places, doing seemingly heroic, you know, air quotes, heroic things or fighting big fights, sometimes not always, but sometimes for some people, the reality is they're running away from the internal fight. And there's enough within each of us to to fight that fight to be better. And then if we want to get outside of ourselves, fight the fight of other people. Fight for the the health and well-being of those around you. Fight for, you know, it, we got people like, we got people that come into class. Um, and I did this the other day. We got a kid that took classes with us for a long time. Got away with the brown belt. Dropped off the face of the earth. Just started coming back. And he comes in, shows up early every week for class. And he's kind of by himself. Nobody's really acknowledged him. And he was part of the group. And I'm like, okay, he's been back like a month and a half. And so I called out one of my black belts specifically, and I said, do you know that guy? Well, yeah. Well, have you talked to him? Well, I said, hi. Bro, he's, go go talk to him. So fight that fight of, you know, showing people that they're important, showing people that they're valued. Now, I could go do that, but I already know how to do that. I, I got to teach other people how to do that so that when I'm dead, people continue to treat other people with respect and show them their value and their worth. So I hope somebody doesn't learn your lesson someday. One person, just so you can haunt them. And I would love to see a movie about that. Oh, but I want, I got other people I want to haunt. Okay. <laughs> just for fun. Why do you, why do you think that people run away from the internal and instead seek an external physical battle the, to fight? The, the fall of humanity. It's just part of our fallen nature. But Why? <laughs> Because we don't want to say that we're bad. We don't want to say that we're evil. We don't want to say... People want to say that people are naturally good. But the Bible teaches us otherwise. We're not naturally good. You know? I want to be mad at them. I want to be angry at them. I want to lash out at them. I want to beat them up for what they did to me. They said something bad about my mom. I want to punch them in the face. And I can honestly look at people in those situations and say, I understand. I get it. Because I am also a mortal creature who is part of the fallen race. Um, but I also understand that what is natural to us is sin and what is natural to us is death. And in that, that's not an excuse. So, but that's part, that's, that's, part, you know, a large part of it. Hmm. You know, others just fear. So maybe something happened to them and they're going to have to deal with that and they don't want to deal with it because they're afraid of it. They don't want to relive it. They don't want to revisit it. It's good stuff. So this is like, I, I was listening to you. I was I was paying attention. But also there's part of me that was spider webbing in my brain. Cla- uh, classic Taylor. Go for it. <laughs> what was the spider And web? Uh, when you said, uh, I'm an immortal creature of a fallen race, I was just like, that sounds like a, a boss from a video game. Lord Mark, <laughs> immortal creature of the fallen race. It's <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> I'm the guy at the end of the one video game that says, you lose. Yeah. Game over. Game over. I used to say they didn't. 
It doesn't really say you lose. It says you suck. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> so, uh, Northman, yay or nay? <laughs> We've talked about it the entire podcast, the Northman and just the Northman. My brain is in, in, in an exhausted state of being, which is why I'm, I, we, we're coming back to that. But I will say nay. I will say yay. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you saw it twice. You better say yay. Yeah, although the second time wasn't quite I, as enjoyable. You said well, nay here's twice. The thing, no. Okay, so I'm going to throw Carter under the bus here for people who have not experienced our day with us today. Yeet. And, and I will say that he says outwardly yay. He went and saw it. He said to me, I will see that again with you. But when it came time to purchase the tickets, he subliminally got the tickets for the wrong day. <laughs> it's almost like your subconscious is saying, no, I really don't want to see this movie again. Maybe. It is a scary movie. A lot yeah. of people die. I wasn't scared. There's a lot of entrails. But it's like, that's like yeah. saying spicy stuff isn't hot to me. It gave me gladiator flashbacks with all oh. the body parts. Okay. With, it really did. Well, did they do that much in gladiator? There's feet. I don't remember that much in gladiator. Braveheart, maybe. Feet hanging. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the dangly feet. It was, Yeah. Or is that kind of grit to it? The human horse. But when they start like showing entrails fall onto the ground, that there's just see in reality that is absolutely horrifying. Yeah. On a TV on a movie screen, it's okay. That's too cheesy. Okay, so if there's one reason you should watch the movie, what scene would that be? Oh boy, this so, makes me want to find meaning. So all of my students who are over the age of eighteen. And at brown belt or above, should go see the movie for the scene where they have entered the village and the Northman is walking among the huts to see his stance, to see his uh, his stature, his gait, his, his intensity. Because if you ever do have to violently protect yourself, that has to be in there somewhere in order for you to be. The, successful. the wolf inside. That's uh, beyond that. It's yeah. beyond that. That's not the not the round the fire drum beating. That's a thing. I mean, you know, it is absolutely it's a thing. But and, and call, but like you know, yeah, I get it. That's a thing. But for my, for like just a just a visual picture to put in your head. Yeah. You know, when you, if you ever do have to, it's three o'clock in the morning, there's no way out. There's a very bad person in your home ready to kill you and your family. That's who you need to be on the inside. Okay. But if you have a very large staircase and you're confident it will take them three minutes to get up it and you have the drums next to you uh, and, and, and you have, you, you can, have a wolf skin hanging you on the You do wall. have the opportunity to hype yourself I'm, up. I'm always looking to, to go drop the kids at school so i if i had three minutes i would try to squeeze one out before he got to the top of the stairs <laughs> poop before you defend your family how big, folks how big is your staircase that takes three minutes to get up it? he lives at the top of a mayan temple <laughs> i guess okay so this is a bit of a pointed question because i had an answer to the question that i really wanted to talk about if you are on the fence about seeing this movie you get the opportunity to have william defoe intensely staring into your eyes while saying all sorts of intense nonsense while drums are beating <laughs> that's, that's his whole role in the movie <laughs> yeah his whole role is in, in the movie and it's it's beautiful and it's wonderful and uh i like him as an actor he's a good he's a good actor 
Nothing against Mr. Defoe because he is a good actor, but there was something cartoony about that. Oh, there there was. That's what I love about him. Okay. But what was your question? You said if you're... No, he said oh, it was that, a pointed question because he wanted to say something right. about it. I got you. You're in a you're in a mental fog. I I'm get a, it. Yeah, mental fog. Yep. What is your reason to see the movie? He's done. I honestly really like that. That I guess. I like your point, Daibu, about the uh, that scene because it embodies the intensity that you would need to defend yourself for other people. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. I, a lot of people who are in class, they're great people, but could they actually embody that if they needed to? Could they actually put somebody down if they needed to? Okay, so that comes like, I've had this thought twice in my head since we've been sitting here talking about violence and whatever. It's like the all the tactical firearms training that goes on. People learn to draw their weapon. People learn to get their weapon on target. People learn to shoot. People learn to move while shooting and take cover. And with the difference between cover and... Um, What's the other word? Pull out of my head. Um, Lack of cover? No, well, there's one that actually gives you like protection and one that just conceals your presence, and they're not the same thing, and I'm I'm brain farting because I, whatever, my brain's not working today. But anyway, but what they don't cover is shooting someone, and you can't. And the same thing happens for us. Even even when you guys go and, and get out on the mats and grapple and go at it, and you or you're standing, you're punching, you're kicking, whether you've got pads on or you're or you're actually banging it out, it falls short. It falls short. It really does. And one of the things again that I would encourage my students who are adults, who are, you know, in in the advanced stages of their training that you need to process is, can you take another human life? I sat down with a guy years ago, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to get a handgun. I'm like, oh, you're ready to kill somebody. Well, no, it's for self-defense. I says, well, how do you think you're going to defend yourself? By throwing it at him? You're going to have to shoot him. He's like, well, yeah, I get it. I says, no, do you, though? Do you really get it? Do you get that you're going to have to probably kill that guy if you pull that gun? And within 10 minutes, he's like, yeah, I'm not getting a gun because <laughs> he hadn't thought about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if he can, if he can do that, more power too. And I said that to him. If you, if you know that you can take a human life, if you're ready to take a human life in self-defense, then by all means, carry a gun. Make sure you're good at it. Make sure it's the right gun. Um, but if you're not, you're going to get hurt because so many times people's guns are taken away from and used against them right. as they hesitate. I do think about that pretty often because I see people carry carry guns and I'm like, I don't know that they could actually do it. And I think they kind of justify it. Like what, what I've, I've justified it in my head because I'm not entirely sure that I could kill somebody. Um, but I like to think like, well, if I was in the office and I was concealed carrying and somebody started shooting up the office, then I wouldn't hesitate because this person is clearly actively shooting other people. But I can't legitimately say that for sure i i think i could shoot somebody and i wouldn't even feel guilty about it uh say that like you've done it i think i would feel concerned that i didn't feel guilty but if it was somebody who's threatening my family like i feel like that is the only thing i need to know ultimately like 
there is no question whether like, or not you're able to pull the trigger when it comes time to defend yourself and potentially kill another human being unless there's something mentally wrong with you you will feel guilty how guilty how much you're consumed by that guilt will vary person to person but you will feel guilty and it will forever change you nobody has ever taken another human life and not been changed by the experience i i'm horrified to kill somebody by accident you know whether it's in a car accident or i just think of um that the movie rust with uh baldwin and that's that picture they took of him after which, oh, by the way, scummy photographer taking a picture of somebody in one of their lowest moments in their entire life. So, uh, his first name? Talking oh, to the mic. Yeah. So, uh, Baldwin, what was his first Al- name? Alec, Alec. Alec Baldwin, because yeah. there's, there's two of them. There's yeah. three. There's three. Uh, he accidentally shot somebody. Because, on, on a movie set. Yeah, because the gun had a real bullet in it and not a blank. Uh, and somebody died. And he's going to have to live with that his entire life. And Yeah. It's it's a horrifying thought. Yeah. Because at the drop of a hat, your life can change and it wasn't even your decision. And I mean, that's that's true outside of killing somebody. Like, that is how life works. At the drop of a hat, it's, it, it could change and chances are it will at some point. Um, but then having to carry the guilt of that, especially like a gr- one of the biggest fears maybe it's kind of irrational but it's kind of not is that i'm driving down the road one day and just a kid jumps in front of my car and i there's nothing i can do and then it's like not only have i taken a human life i've taken a kid's life and that's just a whole nother dynamic well cuz you probably view yourself as somebody who would give up your life to save a kid i mean everybody thinks of themselves that way yeah which it's a, that, no, not that's everybody. A not, not everybody does. Yeah, not, not everybody does. I actually know a guy. He says that if any, if any, but like we go to church together. If anybody ever comes to the church shooting, that he'll be the first one out the back door. I said that's fine. We'll just put a sign on you that says "Follow me," and you can get everybody. Your act of cowardice. <laughs> we'll get everybody else out safely, and we'll we'll redeem you in that way. So well, one thing I've thought about is it, you know now that I've. I mean, I'm starting to think about, I guess, uh, now that I just had twins and, uh, is it, are there times where kind of being a little bit more like cowardice is the right thing to do for my like family? So like if I try to save a kid who is on train tracks and I die, then my family has to spend the rest of their life living with the repercussions of that instead of somebody else's family. Hmm. Do I love my family more than someone else's family? Kinda, but do I, do I still want to save a kid on a train tracks? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting thing to think about. That's a personal conviction, personal conviction question that you have to answer for yourself. Do I trust that somebody else will help my family after I'm gone? Bum, well, bum, here's bum. here's okay. As a young man, I will tell you that I grappled a lot with. What happens to my wife and children if I die? Who's going to take care of them? And I will tell you that I very clearly heard from the Lord, not in a burning bush, not handwriting on the wall, but I did hear from the Lord, the same person who's taking care of them now, me. They're in God's hands, and he will take care of them if you are not here. Yeah. The same way he is taking care of them while you are here. It would also be a cool way to die. If you're going to go, no. go saving the life of an innocent child. 
you're, sh- you're shaking your head. What is a cool way to die in your opinion? There's, I'm an old man. I want to die in my sleep in my bed. That's how I want to die. How am I willing to die? I'm willing to die pulling somebody out of a burning building. I'm willing to die putting myself in harm's way for another person. And I will do it without hesitation to a point. You know, if me trying to save someone else then puts one of my loved ones in danger, then I will probably not do that. Like immediate danger. Right. Boom. Mic drop. It's a it's an interesting question that nobody really That's what I'm saying. It's it's a personal conviction question. Yeah, no, for sure. For what sure. are you willing to do? And there's no judgment. And the guy, the guy at church that says he's going to run out the door, someone comes shooting. He's not a coward. That's just who he is. That's how he's wired, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If everybody who's not going to stand up and fight just gets out of the way, that's very helpful. And there's nothing wrong with those people. That's just not how they're wired. Their strengths lie in other places. So it's but it's important to know your. You got to know who you are. You got to be honest with yourself. You got to know who you are. Yeah. So I think everyone, but see, I'm going to say that, but I think everyone needs to learn how to protect themselves just in case you don't have the choice. Right. I think that's a tough pill to swallow for some people. Like some people might look at themselves and deep down know like, yeah, if somebody comes in shooting, I'm going to run out. And, but they don't want to admit that to themselves because like in my position, I feel like that might be me to a degree. Um, I like to think that I would stay and actually do something. Um, but there's a, like, there's a deep seated thing that I deal with where like, I I feel like I need to prove myself. So I think I'm afraid. And I think this is true with other people. Like they're afraid to be honest with themselves about where they're at. So then they can't actually grow past that or grow into who they're supposed to be because they can't be honest like i i don't like i might not want to be honest with myself and be like you know what no i'd be running out the door because i'm not who i think i am or i'm not who i want to be but pray about it yeah and you might not know the answer to the question until it actually happens that's fine there's also a school of thought that there's uh defining moments you are who you are at the moment you decide to do or not do something all, all that matters is that one moment. It wasn't everything that preceded it. Is it wasn't everything that was after it, you know? Yeah. It's the Darth Vader redemption at the last second type deal. <laughs> so you're saying Darth Vader was defined in the last moments of his life saving Luke. Spoiler alert. <laughs> According to the, yeah, he was like on the light side of the force after that. According I guess. to the canon, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is canon that Anakin was, you know, reclaimed by his son. Luke Skywalker and restored to his rightful place in the universe. Hmm. So what's your rightful place in the universe? Your doorstop. <laughs> That's a pretty important role. I'm a paperweight, bro. <laughs> okay. Well, do you guys have anything else to say about this the Northmen? Because was... <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I think we're going to wrap it this up. Is yeah. the, I think it's the longest uh, Northman review on the internet. It will be. Uh, <laughs> Eat your heart out IMDb. <laughs> For the record, the Northman does have like a ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That, that that's not the final say, but it, it is violent. Um, there's some naked butts. There's some and, boobies, and um, it's there's some grossness. 
it's kind of like um you never you're not a big quentin tarantino guy right nightmare alley was made by him right um what have i seen by quentin tarantino reservoir dogs didn't watch kill bill pacific rim i think no 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 no. absolutely not um hateful eight no django unchained no trying to think what else no I think I, I think I went to school with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> that's something you should nail down because that's a fun. No, I did. I did. Party. I know that I didn't. I know for a fact okay. that I did not. But okay. I think I went to school with a guy like him. So did the person like feet? <clears throat> wow. No, it's obvious. But in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was his last one that he made, the it's like it's a pretty even keel movie. But then at the end, it just gets ridiculously violent, like super intense, like even for Quentin Tarantino. Like that's the one of the only movies I've like watched through the cracks of my fingers. Like it made me like cringe up. Does he bring in, does he bring in, um, oh, what's his name? Charles Manson into it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was wondering. Yep. And that's, that's where it gets. Because what's her face plays Sharon Tate, right? Um. Shannon Margot Taylor. Robbie. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking of uh, she was murdered. She and her friends were murdered by. Well, they. It's interesting Charles because the movie isn't. It's like a weird take on. Charles Manson. It kind of like leads. It, I don't know Charles Manson's story that much, so I can't exactly say for sure. But my point was was, the the Northman teeters on that line for me of like cringing up watching through my fingers at at some moments. And some of them are just kind of like, all of a sudden, wham, it's in front of you, like the the human horse and stuff like that. You're just like, oh. After watching The Godfather, the guy wakes up in bed with the horse's head, you know. I still need to on, see The Godfather. On, on satin sheets or silk sheets, whatever those were, that, that adds to it. Or if you're Johnny Depp, you wake up to poop on your bed. <laughs> Poor Johnny Depp. Poor anyway. Johnny Depp. All right. Thanks thank, for having me. Yeah, thank you guys for being yeah, on. Thanks. It's been a long time coming. It was fun. Hopefully you'll be back. I like that. I'll be back with you another day with another bottle.